0: It is uh, an understatement to say this is an overwhelming feeling. Are you with me? (laughs) There's so much running through my head and my heart right now. I don't know if you relate. Uh, Thank you, everyone here in person and online. Uh, You have made it to this point, and it has not been easy, okay? But we're finally here. I do want to say a huge thank you to the Time Center and the Time Center staff. They are... They're the best of the best. For all of our volunteers running the tech, uh, hospitality, the ushering, scanning you guys in and the beginning, thank you. Let's give a big round of applause for our volunteers. All right, I want to do what we're going to call centering right now. So let's close our eyes, let's take a deep breath. Let's get grounded. Let's be aware of all those feelings we have: excitement, trepidation, nervousness, fear. Whether you're at home or here, get grounded. Get comfortable. Notice your breathing. Creator, Lord God, Adonai Eloheinu, open our minds to learn, our ears to hear, and our hearts to transform into Your image. Amen. Let's open our eyes. From Psalm 117. et Kal praise the Lord all you nations. Shab Kal praise or extol him all you peoples. Kigavar Ale you know that word Hesed, for great is his love or loving kindness or mercy toward us. Ve'emet Aronai le'olam, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. And everybody, hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's hear it. Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. In the ancient biblical language of Hebrew, we come here and we sit in the sacred space that God has allowed us. And we gather here in our little urban nomadic tabernacle and for the first time in a very long time and many of us have imagined this day raise your hand if you imagine being back there were times you were watching online and you were thinking all right one day we're going to be back in the time center right and by the way it's fully renovated brand new seats beautiful wood that means no spilling communion cups all everyone's going to be careful right 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 okay all of that good stuff but we imagine being here. And you know, coming back together is not just like church on Sunday. We actually know each other. We know each other's lives. This is a real reunion, right? You, like, you know what's going on. I remember when Ricardo invited Monty Ness to church when he was at FIT, and then she became a Christian. They started dating. You remember their, uh, their bridal shower? I think it was at Fashion High School. And then what were we doing yesterday? They were having a baby shower. Time goes so fast. Time, time, time. Some of our kids have grown up so much. It's like shocking. You don't even recognize. You know what I'm saying? You met some people and they're like, hey, how you doing? You're like, whoa, you, you have the voice. It's totally different. But as we come back, we also remember the loss. As Al prayed about, the loss of this last year and a half, the jobs, the routines, the relationships, everything went crazy. And... For those who passed, it hurts. It hurts. It's been emotional. And this is the introduction to where our journey begins for Inside Out, which we're going to be studying the Psalms for the next several weeks and understanding how God's word in the Psalms speak to us and help us to manage our many emotions right in the pain and the passion and the praise from the inside out you guys have read the Psalms. We love the Psalms, right? We know that the Psalms are a collection of ancient songs and poems praising God, the Tehillim, the book of praises. Martin Luther called it the Bible within a Bible because it hits all the thematic, uh, you know, concepts and stories that we have in our Bible. In Luke 24, you know, some, some people, uh, some Christians say, well, yeah, the Old Testament—that's that, you know—not really for me. I'm more of a New Testament kind of person. The Psalms—they're they're cute. We sing songs, we have hymns, but you know that's not really the deep stuff that I want from the like Apostle Paul and other things like that. I know you've never said that, but some have said it. But I want to—I want to help us because Jesus actually quoted from the Book of Psalms more than any other book. In Luke 24, he says, "I am the fulfillment." Of the Psalms, that's got to be important. And when the devil in the desert quotes Psalm 91, Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. On the cross, even Jesus quotes from Psalm 22. Nearly half of all the direct New Testament quotes of the Old Testament are from the Psalms, over 150 just in the Gospels. So us Christians, we got to gear up, we've got to know the Psalms, we've got to dig in the Psalms, we've got to pray in the Psalms. I love this little uh, chart up here because you can just see a little tip of the iceberg of how our New Testament and the Hebrew Bible play along with each other. That when you look at Acts 4 or Hebrews 4 or or John 2.17 or Luke 23, these are psalms being reminded of, being called into the present. And of course, what we're doing, our main study, is going to center around our emotions, our emotions, you actually have them. Some of you doubt that you have them. You have, some of us, we've been called emotional our whole lives. Others, we've called other people emotional. We're gonna talk about that, not good. All right, emotions are not bad things. God's designed us with emotions. They can be great, of course. They can get control of us, and it can get a little out of hand. But we're gonna talk all about it. But right now, imagine, where do these psalms come from? They come from the seat of emotion, from the soul. Imagine the thrill of David's victory over Goliath he writes a psalm. Or the serenity of tending sheep over the pasture, Psalm 23. Or his gratitude after escaping Saul's attacks, Psalm 57. Or guilt after committing adultery with Bathsheba, Psalm 51. It's the the monologues, it's the prayers, it's the personal diary that we get to experience collectively to combine with our emotions so that God can guide us. Are you with me? those feelings of thrill and serenity and gratitude and guilt, we all feel that stuff. So how awesome that our sacred text can be a mirror to the human heart. In Jerome Creech's Discovering Psalms, he writes, perhaps more than their contribution to Christian theology, the Psalms occupy their place among Christians because they express the heights and depths of human emotion more than any other part of scripture. You know, the last five psalms are called the hallelujah psalms. And uh, those are pretty good psalms to read uh, when you need that extra lift. Not all the psalms are like that. We have a lot of laments, a lot of uh, pretty intense, painful psalms, and we're going to get to some of those. But these hallelujah psalms, they they end with hallelujah, praise God, and they start with hallelujah, praise God. And it's pretty interesting to think about potentially, all right, an ark, all right, sort of a story arc of the Psalms that we go through life up and down and up and down. And you know, people have, have labeled the different books, and you can see them in the subheadings of your Bible. There's about five uh, you know, divisions in the book of Psalms, and you can group them, uh, Psalm 1 to 41, 42 to 72. They each perhaps mimic the Pentateuch, so the first book, maybe imitating Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, et cetera. There's a lot that we're going to be digging in over the next several weeks, so, so strap in. But what I think is neat is this idea of resolution. It's as if all these 150 Psalms are a model of what we go through in life, the ups and the downs, working through the pain until we can end in praise. Now please don't get me wrong, praise does not necessarily mean Hakuna Matata. All right? You get the difference. It's, it's not about, oh, everything's great right now, so I praise God. It's a lot bigger of a challenge to praise God when things aren't great. Right. And that's what we're working towards. Sometimes we come to church, we're not in the best spot. All right? Some of us were talking earlier about, man, I really, really started thinking about how I'm going to miss 1059, turn the TV on. <laughs> And no offense to our at-home listeners. That's awesome. Enjoy the pajama worship. It's great. But I had to tell you, it was some effort this morning trying to figure out, you know, do I wear this black shirt or that black shirt? That was hard for me. That was hard for me. I'm actually not kidding. I, I was like, Arlene, help me. I don't know what to. But we, we worship anywhere. We worship because we know God must be praised. We work ourselves to get to the place in those last five Psalms. It doesn't mean it's gonna be a kuna And the point here is to remind us that there is a time for all the emotions. The teacher of Ecclesiastes says it like this. There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And I know a lot of our favorites, a time to dance. Like I said, God didn't make a mistake by designing us to have emotions. Sometimes I hear this phrase, oh, they're so emotional. I have been told you're so emotional. And I get it. There are times when we give too much control to the feelings that we have. Amen? But our Western stoic culture has deleted so much of the beauty of emotion. You know, some cultures still today hire professional mourners to help grieve the loss of a loved one, wailing in the streets. For many of us, that's a, that's a shocker. Wow, turn out, what, that's so primitive. Who, who's the primitive ones suppressing what we're feeling? First funeral I ever went to was, or that I remember was my grandfather. And I was watching intently all the adults in the room. I don't know, I remember how old I was, small, elementary, even less. And I'm watching my father and his three brothers, not a single tear. And you log that as a child, don't you? You say, okay, this is the way that it is. Something terrible happens and you, you just do what you gotta do. You carry on. You hold it in. Is that the Bible that we read? Is that the Jesus that we read? Jesus wept more than once, guys. He shared his feelings. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. With emotions. Some of us, we're not, we're not close with our emotions. We don't wanna get in touch with our emo- It's scary. I get it, It's scary. And and like I said, we're on the spectrum. On the other side, some of us we 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 give way too much weight to the feelings that we have. You know. On the other hand, I was talking about these funerals. On the other hand, I did a wedding recently where there was more dancing than I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) I mean, and Arlene and I we love we loved a boogie, but this was a lot. I had to take some breaks. (laughs) And uh, the the bride was Lebanese, and the uh, groom was Greek. So all oh, the cultural, super cool. I mean, it was amazing. We had everything from the traditional dances, you know, in the in the in the round. The cupid shuffle made it, you know, an entrance. There there were chairs raised up to the ceiling where the bride and groom were. I mean, it was incredible. And then there was something that looked like a combo between the the limbo and the twist. I don't know what that was, but they were low, and all kinds of stuff was happening. I couldn't get down that low. It was awesome the Bible recognizes that that's part of who we are. All along that breadth, the spectrums of emotions. You know, much of the Bible is directed toward us. One thing that's amazing about the Psalms is they're directed towards God. And so when we lift this time to God, he wants all the feels, all right? He wants all that stuff stirring. He wants that frustration to be expressed because we see it through the Psalms, don't we? He wants that aggravation to be expressed because we see it as a model in the Psalms. And what are we working towards? We're working towards praise. Not because everything is happy, go lucky. but because that's what we do. Emotions may not always be factual, get this, but they're always real. You hear me on that? They might not always be factual, might be based on some total falseness, but they're real, and in that moment, they feel as as real as it comes, and that's important to recognize as well as we're figuring out how the Bible speaks to that. You know, our own uh, Ross Lippincott uh, is an evangelist as well as an accomplished worship leader, singer, songwriter, musician, and he's done a masterful job pulling together some psalms that we're going to be studying together. So here's a sneak peek at what we're looking at, all right? We're going to get a little bit of everything and we're going to be focusing on these different feelings, these emotions that we get. I see you all with your cameras. I love our eager students. What are we going to be studying? You know what's so cool is that this is actually being streamed live on YouTube and you can watch it anytime you want. Go ahead. Take your pictures. It doesn't bother me at all. I love it. Have it on your phone. Just know that you will also get one of the cleanest HD streams you can find, all right? <laughs> it probably can going to be better than your phone, actually. <laughs> And thank you, tech team, for rocking that out. Okay. All right. Now, one thing that's really interesting about the Psalms, and maybe more than other books of the Bible, is they have crept into pop culture quite a bit, don't you think? I mean, from R.E.M., Everybody Hurts, you know that one, right? No? R.E.M., come on. I mean, that's Psalm 61 and Psalm 126, if you didn't know. Mumford and Sons, Awake My Soul, Psalm 57. Megadeth, Shadow of Death, you didn't know? Come on, Psalm 23. Notorious B.I.G. You're nobody till somebody kills you. Psalm. I'm not, I'm just saying. (laughs) Psalms have crept into pop culture. Psalm 23 in particular is everywhere. I remember seeing it on my favorite show, Lost. Uh, It's been in films like Pale Rider, Full Full Metal Jacket, Titanic, all right? Uh, Kanye's got it in there. Coolio, from Kanye to Coolio, Pink Floyd, The Grateful Dead, People, have been leveraging the sacred text for a very long time in pop culture. Now here, uh, Bono, hey, wait a minute. Are you guys playing a trick on me? That's not Bono. Someone's playing a trick. That's not Bono. Oh, here's Bono, here's Bono, here's Bono. All right. Here I wanna show you a, uh, a short clip of Bono from the famous band, the Irish band U2, just sharing some of his thoughts about Psalm 23 in the form of a musical melody. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, which was a great tune, and I really like that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah! They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not, it doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the psalms apart from me. And and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? The Lord's my shepherd, i not one, He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. Is that right? It's beautiful. It was right. It is beautiful. I get goosebumps hearing that. Just acapella, just someone singing with their soul the sacred words of God. You know, during a late night recording session on their album, War, uh, Bono was, was stumped on lyrics for a tune that he had in his head, so he opened up his Bible to Psalm 40 and wrote the song called now 40. It took him 10 minutes to write it, took them 10 minutes to record it, another 10 to mix it, and the last 10 to re-listen and polish. 40 minutes, Psalm 40, the song 40. And you too would end most of their concerts for a couple of decades in psalm. Go listen to that song when you go home. Let me read you a little bit of that psalm, and you can see the lyrics side by side. I waited patiently. I waited patiently. Kava, kava kavati. We'll talk about that in a minute. For the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to, to help me. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. You know, Psalm 40 is written as a psalm of David, and we don't have time to go through all the verses, but if you look at it later, the first 10 verses are a a psalm or song of thanksgiving, and it's combined with the last eight verses as a song of lament. Typically in the psalms, you get the reverse. You sort of have the lamentation like things are terrible, and then God lifts me out. Here's an interesting reversal of that, where there's a lot of praise at the beginning and then some some darkness at the end. In verse 2, we already get to it. The poet is trapped in a what? A muddy pit. It's an allusion to an ancient practice of internment or imprisonment in exhausted cisterns. Imagine Joseph thrown down by his brothers, right? In a dark, damp prison. Anyone feel those feelings when we were in quarantine, feeling like you were in a dark, damp prison, like in our apartments isolated in the cold northeast winter last year especially. You ever have moments like that where you were feeling a little bit trapped? And see, this is kind of how God works. The more desperate a situation, and that's why it's important to express even those low emotions. In a more desperate situation, that's when God shows up even more powerfully. That's when God is like, Oh, I'm chomping at the bit to get involved here. You remember Gideon? I mean, just go through the Bible. The odds are against all the heroes of the Bible, right? I mean, they start out weak and like, I don't want to do this. And then they end up being, you know, party to God's victories. That's how he works. I mentioned the Hebrew, kavah, kavati. These are the same two words that show up. It's this idea of waiting patiently, but in the Hebrew, that's not two concepts. That's one concept. Kavah, waiting, and being patient are the same thing. So when you, when you define this word, if you go home and look it up in the Hebrew lexicon, you're gonna see uh, eagerly waiting, patiently waiting, eagerly with expectation. Can't wait to see what happens next. That is what waiting looks like in the Hebrew Bible. That's the way they were trained, not like we are in the West, right? What does waiting mean to us? (laughs) Ah! (laughs) The worst ever. (laughs) Waiting. We New Yorkers, we especially hate waiting. How well do you wait? How well have you waited for God the last 18 months? You know, I get it, the waiting is tough. When I moved to New York, I didn't get why people were always trying to pass me on the sidewalk. I'm like, you have replicated the highway in pedestrian life. (laughs) There are no lanes, but you've somehow created lanes. There's a passing lane, there's a pullover lane, and if you tie your shoe in the middle, oh man, forget it. (laughs) Except here's the problem, now I'm that person. I was riding bicycles down to uh, soccer with Jaden last night, and you know, there's people crossing the crosswalk when they really weren't supposed to, and there's some debate about that. But I got a, a really nice bell for my bike. It's actually Talia's bike I've been borrowing it but it's an awesome bell.! Get out of my way! I thought, whoa, I'm that person that I used to like, that is so aggressive. Why? Unnecessary. So look, waiting is, is messy, it's painful. And, you know, uh, we've been watching this show called Alone. Any Alone uh, fans out there? All right. I I watch it alone, which is ironic. But anyway, no. (laughs) Ten wilderness experts are dropped in the Arctic with just ten things they choose beforehand, bow and arrow, axe, knife. They film themselves living off the land. They build a shelter in minus 30-degree weather. It's super intense. You win a million bucks if you survive. I mean, you know, last to the end. They... Everyone lives. Sometimes, and this is the point, they tap out just because of the waiting. Like, they're just sitting there. You know, no phone, no interaction, and, and it drives people crazy. This is real. And in the Psalm, and in U2's song, 40, what's the refrain? How long? How long? How long is this gonna last? How long till this pandemic is over? How long till my prayers are answered? How long until healing? How long until resolution? And I think it's probably at the 30,000 foot view, a a problem with time. And, And look at this in perspective. Some of you have heard scholars talk about the 500 year spiritual cycle. You know, if you you clock from Exodus to the exile to to Jesus uh, to the fall of Rome to the schism to the Reformation, about every 500 years something wild happens in the spiritual world. Some kind of crisis, and and it's usually accompanied by some kind of religious crisis or spiritual crisis or or some kind of awakening accompanied by some global phenomenon, like the Black Plague or COVID-19. So guess what? We're in one of those right now. And maybe that's some scary pressure, like, oh, wow, you know. But it could be that we have been chosen for some crazy reason to be a part of global spiritual history. That how we live now will make a big difference later. Creech says it like this, In a time when the church is struggling to speak authentically to the world around it and when much prayer and devotion is just a shallow expression of prosperity religion, the Psalms are a breath of fresh air an honest voice in the midst of so much unauthentic faith. The time is now to live the Psalms, amen? To center ourselves in scripture and let our lives speak to the world. Jesus lived the Psalms. He was up and he was down. He expressed his emotions and he resolved in praise to the Lord, even on the cross and again in resurrection. How long till we sing this song? How about today? How about now? We begin to sing a new song, and like they sang in a new world. This is a new world. Waiting to be imprinted upon by this generation of Christ believers from the inside out. What tune will you sing? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give ourselves to you at this time as we remember our Savior Jesus who died on the cross and rose on the third day. We ask that you will help us to dig into your word, into the Psalms these next 11 weeks. Awaken us, enlighten us, renovate our souls, help us to live the Psalms as Jesus did. Thank you for his death and resurrection. We remember him at this time as we take the communion.